What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. Today is Monday, July 18th, 2022. And today on the show, part one of a two-part series, looking forward to 2023 free agents to be, so you know who's playing for what when 2022 rolls around. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, and your host here putting on the capologist hat uh, a little bit out in advance of 2022 training camp. It's our opportunity to kind of look at the Dolphins and understand where they're at as a team, how that may impact their strategy and spending, and what players on the roster this year are scheduled for big decisions when the year comes to a close, hopefully in late January, early February, but that's not really neither here nor there right now. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. It is where the game starts. I want to thank everybody who makes Locked on Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. A lot of great people in this space. I cannot say that enough. You just got to know where to look to get your fix of Dolphins content. And for those of you who choose to start your day with Locked On Dolphins, I tip my, I guess today, proverbial cap to all of you and cheers. So I definitely wanted to make sure we got this snapshot in before training camp starts. Because once training camp starts, I'm going to be there the whole first week of camp. So you know you're going to hit the ground running. We're going to be talking a lot about what's actually happening in practice. Um, and I know that the past couple of weeks, as a couple of you have made very astute observations in the YouTube comments, Kyle, man, it feels like there's a lot of filler content right now. Yeah, guys, it's the middle of July. <laughs> We're doing five shows a week. We're going to have some big picture stuff. We're going to have some fun stuff. We're going to have some technical stuff. And today we're going to have some cap stuff. Tomorrow we're going to have some cap stuff. Today's dedicated to the offensive side of the ball. And it's a little bit less about the team's salary cap situation in itself because that's a whole other discussion. But it's more about what players the Dolphins have going into 2022 as players that are on the last year of their contracts. And you started to see this uh, this past year with how do I want to phrase this the Tyreek Hill trade and free agency and I understand Dolphins fans have a very skewed perception of what aggressiveness and free agency looks like because the team historically for the past 10 to 15 years has always been very aggressive but this team finally did in 2019 what they needed to do for a really long time, which was go back to square one and build through the draft for a couple of years, invest in a lot of young players on cheap rookie contracts, and let that tidal wave of young talent, as it grows, uh, kind of lift the floor of what this team is capable of being in the ceiling. And now you're at the point where you have transitioned away from a team that's a, a, a rebuilding franchise and you're a young you're you're contending franchise and that means your mentality 
is going to be a little different, right? You are now in that position where you're not unmotivated to spend money. You're not unmotivated to be up against the cap. You're not unmotivated to play with some contracts here or there, manipulate and kick a little bit down the road and restructure a contract and make sure you're able to fit a player in. Uh, the issue is when what the Dolphins did for a really long time and they had a glass ceiling over what their team was capable of being and they always thought one or two veteran players were going to put you over the top, but they were veteran players who were usually on their second or third contracts. Many of them were past their prime and it was just this toxic, yeah, you'd upgrade one spot, but two other spots would fall off because you were banking on guys who were fringe guys in the first place. So I say all that to say this, as we, as we look over the next two days of who the expiring contracts are, Miami should be motivated to retain as many of their players as they possibly can. But there is also going to be cost-benefit opportunities. There's also going to be players that need contract extensions. I look at a name like Christian Wilkins, who has been an absolute home run for Miami. And this is his fourth year, which means 2023 will be his fifth year option year. He's eligible for a contract extension. I would hope the Dolphins get it done sooner rather than later. But if Christian Wilkins signs for 18 per as just an arbitrary number that I'm going to throw out there, then that probably means there's going to be a depth player somewhere along the way that you're going to have to go back into the rookie contract well or the veterans minimum well and get a replacement level player instead of retaining a player who's on your roster. So this is kind of the tightrope that the Dolphins are now going to have to begin to walk and strategize where they spend. Because it's not just, oh, re-sign everybody again, which is effectively what they did this offseason. Uh, but they had the luxury of doing so because in 2019, when they stripped down on the cap, they're in a very healthy position against the cap. And I believe it was Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus did a uh, salary cap health check, and the Dolphins ranked eighth in the NFL. And there were uh, a slew of uh, variables at play, including guaranteed money and prorated dollars and, and uh, active draft capital and so on and so forth. And, and Miami, top eight in the NFL, top 25% of the NFL as far as their health salary cap moving forward from here. Uh, you'll, you'll see the forecast and where the Dolphins are from an actual cap perspective for 2023, and you'll probably have the big gulp, and the, oh boy, they're going to have some tough calls making sure they will. But um, nothing that, that cannot be easily maneuvered, and of course the Dolphins are currently situated with about $17 million in cap space, that if you don't use it, you can use it later. You don't lose it. So I say all that as we, we get things teed up here to get into the offensive side of the football today. And Mike Gusecki is obviously the, the, the top name uh, to be discussed as far as an expiring contract because he's in a one-year fully guaranteed franchise tag situation. So knowing that that's the contract status of Mike Gusecki, obviously he, the, the motivation beyond the fact, the, the fact that Mike has always been a consummate teammate and professional and, and has played hurt and has shown toughness playing through bangs and bruises and bumps. Um, there's obviously an extra layer of motivation to know I'm being evaluated and I'm not just being evaluated by the Miami dolphins. I'm being evaluated by the entirety of the NFL. And if you remember that story that ESPN put out that we referenced at the end of last week, uh, 
In a poll of NFL executives, coaches, and players, Mike Gusecki was not amongst the top 10 tight ends actively in the NFL, according to his peers and coaches and executives. Uh, and the perception is generally that he is a net negative in the, in the blocking game, and he is much more of a big-bodied receiver who plays in the slot. And honestly, that, that's pretty factual right now. Now, what he can do to add additional layers to his game, that could be the catalyst for him getting paid. And, of course, Miami's going to have the first crack. If Mike Gusecki plays to a standard that warrants for a run-heavy offense, being on the field for like 80% of your snaps, whether you're in 11, whether you're in 12, and 22, if they can find the comfort level of Mike Gusecki to get him in that position, he's probably going to get paid by the Dolphins. And that's probably $13, $14 million. Probably 13 Just knowing that Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith got 12 and a half and the Dallas Godert's of the world are, are pushing 14 Mike's not quite the all-around player right now. And I don't necessarily expect that he will become that kind of player. But this is, a, this is a player where it goes back to if you have, is it worth paying top six or eight money at the position for a player who might not necessarily give you all the things that you want and need at that position versus signing somebody in free agency, leaning on the young player that you drafted in the third round. And obviously Durham Smythe got a contract extension. He will be here beyond just 2023 or 2022 and investing those dollars that potentially $11 million, which is what he's on the book for this year and potentially up to $14 million in other positions. I don't have the answer right now. We got to let the season play out, but it is one of those ones that, I don't think it's black and white, open and shut. And there's a lot of these decisions that I do think are that for Miami as we work through the offensive side of the ball. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, including, including Major League Baseball. I know we're getting into the All-Star break, but the NFL futures, golf, fights, you name it. BetOnline is the best spot for your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season and every season. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. The next name that we have on offense, uh, I think, is much less predicated on what he does and does not give you on the field and more about what somebody else does and does not give you on the field. Teddy Bridgewater. 30-year-old backup quarterback under contract for $6.5 million this season. And I'll say this. Teddy is, is originally South Florida guy. If Tua Tungavaloa plays at a high, level, high enough level this season to warrant returning in 2023 as the team's starting quarterback, I would sign Teddy Bridgewater to the contract extension tomorrow. If you told me today, that would be a fact. Because, again, the appeal of a quarterback on a rookie contract, beyond the fact that it's a young player that you have a long runway with to build around and develop, is the financial implications of 
six to seven million dollars per season in pay versus 35 to 45 to 50 million dollars per season in pay. That is the ultimate cost benefit analysis, right? So if you're paying Tua Tungvaloa on the fourth year of his rookie contract next offseason, there's no harm. You're, you're still paying one third the standard value, the standard cost of quality quarterback play in the NFL today if you extend Teddy Bridgewater under the same financial terms that he has. Think about that. It's less than 50% to one third of the cost to have. The peace of mind of beyond just having Tua Tungvalu if he returns in 2023 as the team's starting quarterback, having the peace of mind to know, hey, if he gets banged up, if he misses a month, you've got a quarterback who was a former top pick, who was the Minnesota Vikings franchise quarterback before he got hurt and had to miss a bunch of time and nearly lost his leg. And then he bounced back and he's in Carolina and he's in Denver. And yes, he's a player who is with limitations. That's why he's a backup quarterback making $6.5 million this year. But if the Dolphins get to the end of the road and they choose to go in a different direction, then I don't think you can justify spending that amount of dollars on Teddy Bridgewater to be the backup because unless you're going to be drafting another young player at the position. And if I'm the Dolphins and I get through this season and I do make a decision to go in a different direction, I'm trying my damnedest to go out and get a quarterback who is in the NFL, who is an established player, that I know exactly what I'm getting. Because the rest of this team is ready. The offensive line's not perfect. Never has been for the Dolphins, right? But the skill players are where they need to be. The defense is where it needs to be. And as you start making some of these financial decisions and calculated cost-benefit analysis with where you spend your money, you run the risk of seeing attrition start to take place on the defensive side of the ball or with your skill players. And, you know, now is the time. And that that's the whole point of the spiel we did at the beginning. So Miami has a couple different pathways in, in which they can move forward. And the ones in which they choose to remain with Tua Tagovailoa because he earns that opportunity with his play on the field i'd love to re-sign teddy bridgewater regardless of what teddy bridgewater does or does not do this year six million dollars for an experienced starting quarterback to service your backup who kind of understands the deal that he's here to be the backup and somebody who very clearly is connected to the community and and cares about the community because he's from it is like a home run it's a no-brainer but if the dolphins decide to go in a different direction, Teddy might be, because if you say you go out and you get somebody and you pay him $30 million, just hypothetically, and I'm the, we're not naming names, it's not the whole point of the show. But if you pay him $30 million and then you pay Teddy Bridgewater six and a half, seven million million, now, now you're getting close to $40 million rolled up in your quarterback. And at that point, unless you're getting an elite player at a discount, the cost versus the benefit probably skews getting a young guy to potentially to develop and serve as a backup if you do go get a veteran quarterback in the offseason. So we just want to present all the pathways. I'm not advocating for anything. I have to be abundantly clear. The next offensive player that we have 
expiring contract. And this is where this gets interesting because I think some of the players that we're going to talk about from here, you have to have a little bit of an understanding and a self-awareness to. Because Miami has a deep roster. Miami has a very deep roster relative to standard expectations for the Dolphins for a really long time. And if you have some of these players who are expiring contracts and you know they're probably not going to be in the cards, they might not even make the rostering cut downs. If somebody else has an injury at a different position, you got to be willing to look at your roster and identify he's an expiring contract. We don't see a long-term future here with the Dolphins. Somebody has a demand for this position. Let's float them out there and see if we can get a, a late draft pick in return this summer or in August before cutdowns. It, it's absolutely a part of the game that you play with yourself now. And the name that I'm going to mention is Adam Shaheen. He's currently 28 years old, making just short of $2.5 million. He's in a contract year. Let's be honest, whether Mike Gusecki is back or not, you've got Hunter Long, you've got Durham Smythe. Both of those guys guaranteed under contract. For the play that we have gotten from Adam Shaheen, is he going to be back next year? Probably not. And that's exactly what the Chicago Bears did to the Dolphins when Shaheen came into town in the first place. We get a surplus, didn't really work out. We don't see a long-term future here. Let's flip them for peanuts. But, you know, peanuts, when you're a young contender like the Dolphins, there's some instances and cases in which you can trade a seventh-round pick for an established veteran player who might have an, a little bit of an unattractive contract, never mind the fact that you could restructure it, and you can bring a player in for a sixth- or seventh-round pick, a, a long-term st established starting player in the NFL whose skill is well beyond that of a sixth-round pick but might be enough to push you up over the top in your bid to contend. So Shaheen's one of the, the, the first player that I have that I earmark and I say, I, I really don't see the long-term vision, especially with Hunter Long's presence and the fact that Durham Smythe signed a multi-year contract extension. Makes it a really tough sell for me for Adam Shaheen and, and two and a half to $3 million envisioning him continuing to be part of the Dolphins, regardless of how he plays. Greg Little, uh, expiring contract, just short of $2 million in pay due this year. And Greg Little, former top 50 pick, super toolsy guy, hasn't really been able to put it together. Uh, I would not necessarily advocate in the way that if somebody called me looking for a tight end, a dangle Adam Shaheen out there, I don't think I could do that to myself with Greg Little until I have a little bit more peace of mind of what the heck the offensive line group is going to look like in general. Just being honest. Um, it makes sense in some cases, even if you don't see Greg Little as a long-term option, which I don't, um, you'd, be doing yourself, you'd be doing yourself a disservice in a positional group that you, has been so problematic for you to flip him away. In the same way, if we're being honest, that like the Jermaine Illuminor move last year, probably bitch in the butt a little bit. Just reflecting completely and, and transparently. Before we go any further, we do got uh, some more offensive players that we got to talk about as players that are under expiring contracts 
and how we should strategize our viewpoints on them going into the season ahead. I would talk to you about our friends over at Dave. Level with me. We have all been in that spot at some point in our lives where you're a little tight on cash. Maybe you could only afford a few gallons for the tank. Maybe you just got another save the date. And you're wondering how in the heck you're going to pay for yet another wedding gift. I know I'm 33 now, not to age myself. And I'm right at the end of that chapter where every year you got like five friends getting married, right? So that those, those save the dates and wedding gifts come in bunches. If you're living paycheck to paycheck or struggling to make ends meet, it'd be really stressful when unexpected expenses pop up. Now Dave can help get you out of a pinch when you really need it. Dave is the banking app that can help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash that's more money to fill your tank, buy a wedding gift, or catch up on bills. You can finally tackle those expenses that have been stressing you out without any hangups, with no interest and no credit check needed. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief they need with extra cash. So if you're in a pinch and need some extra help, download the Dave app and think of it as a helping hand from future you. Download the Dave app in the app store right now. That's D-A-V-E. Sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve. Member FDIC. Our next name is Sony Michelle. And I'm fascinated about what the Dolphins are going to do with the running back room. Uh, of course, this continues to be one of the great mysteries of life is, is how the Dolphins are going to negotiate uh, the offensive backfield. And clearly they've put an investment into this group with three uh, adequate starters or better as far as talent level and skill set to this point in the offseason. Between Chase Edmonds, who got the, the two-year $6 million contract, and Sony Michelle, who's here on the one-year deal worth one and three quarter million dollars. Raheem Mostert, if he's able to stay healthy. Sony, this to me also comes back to the domino effect of what decisions that you make with the rest of your roster. If the Dolphins get to the end of the year and they are committed to continuing to work with Tua Tungvalo as the team's starting quarterback, you're probably, you're probably going to want a young scheme fit stud player because Raheem Mostert is an older player who's had injury issues the last several seasons. Chase Edmonds is on a two-year, $12 million contract, and Sony Michelle would be an expiring contract. So if Tua plays well enough to warrant that long-term vision, you and you want to continue to build up the skill group around him, you're, you're looking at right tackle, maybe left guard. And you're looking at the running back position. And that's really the one spot where, like, at least in the skill group, you, you don't have a bona fide established player or a role player because you have established players with elsewhere in the room. You, you've got a couple of guys that can all be rotational primary backs on any given week. So if you keep to a tongue of Aloha, I probably would say, hey, let, let's maybe go get some more youth and dynamic play at the running back position, in which case you're probably not going to justify bringing back Sony Michelle with Chase Edmonds under contract for $6 million per season. But if you were to go more expensive elsewhere, whether that is Mike Gusecki or that is a, another quarterback option, then Sony Michelle coming back for another season probably wouldn't be a bad idea. 
Uh, if you're looking for upgrades elsewhere in the offense, it's one of those you can give and take in any different number of spots. The nice thing about Sony is you're not going to break the bank for him. And I think he can get you through a stretch of plays, your primary back, and get what's there and, and do what needs to be done. So I could see a path for Sony Michelle. I certainly am not listening to trade offers in the same way that I would for Adam Shaheen. Now, if somebody called me about Preston Williams, who is our next expiring contract, and remember, he played his three years, 2019, 2020, 2021, and the team still brought him back on a one-year deal worth about $1.5 million. $1.49 million. One-year deal. Somebody calls me about Preston, I'm taking it. I'm taking anything I can get. Because, again, I don't necessarily see the long-term point of view for Preston Williams to be a long-term fixture in the wide receiver room because you have Jalen Waddell. You have Tyreek Hill. You just paid Cedric Woodson, Wilson a significant amount of money to give you your wide receiver three. So you're talking about wide receiver four at best. If you're wide receiver four on any roster in the NFL, you got to play a little bit of teams. And I don't see that in Preston Williams' resume. So if somebody has wide receivers go down, they need some size, I'd listen, and I'd probably take it because you got Trent Sherfield also hanging in the midst here as somebody who's played a lot more teams, who's another physical type receiver. And Trent Sherfield just so happens to be the next wide receiver on this list. So I don't think both these guys make the active roster, to be completely honest. So what opportunities do you have? We didn't even mention Limboden, who from a versatility standpoint might be in front of both of these guys. Now, not as a blocker from a reduced set when you're trying to block and, and crack down on backers, outside backers and, and de, uh, nickel, nickel safeties, but um, that for me is the first position group where I don't necessarily, I, I don't think both of them are on the roster at the beginning of the year in the first place. So whoever the winner is of that between those two guys, assuming one of them does not make the roster, uh, you got a little bit of momentum and now it's up to you to kind of build upon that and go out and play well this year and kind of fortify and solidify that role and warrant a second contract or in Preston Williams' case, what would be a third contract from the team. The We got two more names, three more names on the offensive side of the ball, two running backs. Uh, and this is the, the running backs. I'll save the offensive lineman for last. The, uh, two, uh, the two running backs, I get the same vibe. I don't think both guys make the roster. It's Savan Ahmed and it's Miles Gaskin. And this is a really fascinating dynamic for me because they're both younger players. They're both on their first contracts. Savan Ahmed, uh, is scheduled to be a restricted free agent. Which means Miami gets a little bit more flexibility in not getting a, a contract extension done before the beginning of the league year uh, to place a tender on him that's non-negotiable. Uh, and as an unrestricted free agent, um, when he came out of the draft and Miami picked him up off of waivers, it, you, you do not have the original round rights tender right it's you could place a first round tender or a second round tender on this guy uh and, and you know for a couple million dollars lock him in so you have that flexibility 
Would you want that flexibility for what would be your RB4 if he can beat out Miles Gaskin, who is the other expiring contract at the position? I don't know. I just know if it were me and if I'm in that chair and I'm making these decisions, I like knowing I have I have avenues to take that include non-negotiation with against other teams in the league to retain a player services if I want it. And also, if we're being honest, Savan Ahmed is a more dynamic football player than Miles Gaskin is. Now, Gaskin's been more productive to this point in time, particularly in the passing game. But there's give and take, and this is also a wide zone offense. And never forget, when Savan Ahmed first came out, the first place he went was the San Francisco 49ers running this zone system we're expecting them to bring to Miami. So if anybody called me about Miles Gaskin, and I know this is not the first time we've mentioned this on the show, I'm I'm taking that. I'm taking Preston Williams. I'm taking Adam Shaheen. No questions asked. You call me about any of those guys because you got injuries. Chicago. No, maybe not Adam Shaheen because they were ready to get rid of him when they traded in Miami. You want a wide receiver? I've seen what your wide receiver room looks like, Chicago. Give us a call. Send us back a six. Send this back a seven. <laughs> the last name on the offensive side of the ball is Michael Dieter. And Michael Dieter, regardless of whether or not he ends up settling into a starting spot or not, I think is going to be an essential offensive lineman for the Miami Dolphins. Um, because the positional flexibility that he has, remember, in college, he started more than 10 games at center, guard, and tackle. Now, he does not profile as a tackle in the NFL. But this is a utility interior offensive lineman that can play all three spots inside. And the value of that player is massive for the flexibility that it gives you if somebody goes down inside to know we don't have to play the musical chairs game if we don't want to. And that's the one thing I hate about you got a guard, you get a tackle and your left tackle goes down. So you take your guard and you push them outside to tackle. And then you bring another player in off the bench to play guard. And that's not the example we're talking about from a, a eligibility standpoint for what Michael Dieter can play, but you've made yourself worse at two spots. So let's say, let's say Liam Eikenberg goes down. You can say, okay, Liam's down. Michael, you're going to go in at left guard and play next to Connor. Or you could say, Connor, you have experience at guard. We're going to put you back at guard, and we're going to put Michael at center. The flexibility that that provides, regardless of whether or not he continues to be a starting player. Now, I'm sure there will be, there will be teams, if Michael Dieter hits the open market, who will negotiate with him with that flexibility in the same way that Ted Karras got a lot of attention from the Cincinnati Bengals in free agency this year before he signed after he went back to New England for a year because he's center guard versatile. And he ended up starting. He pushed Michael and Wayne U off a starting spot for the Patriots last year. Michael Dieter would get that kind of attention on the open market. He's a player I want back regardless. Never mind the fact that I was high on him coming out, and I still think he can play a little bit, especially at center. I just don't I don't know if it's the 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 comfort level with making sure that he knows the calls or what. But that's a player I would want back regardless if I'm the Miami Dolphins. I hope you guys enjoyed kind of this exploration into expiring contracts on the offensive side of the ball. 
Um, I didn't mention fullback John Lovett, who's the backup fullback right now, or Cole Banwart, exclusive rights free agent guard. Forgive me. But uh, we, we did hit a lot of the prominent players uh, for the Dolphins, expiring contracts on the offensive side of the ball. And tomorrow we will be doing the defensive side of the ball. So plan accordingly. Keep it locked in. Right here on Locked On Dolphins. Fins up. Thanks as always for checking out the show. Make it a great rest of your Monday, and I will talk with you all again tomorrow.